church. The, the devil will come, and even as I'm speaking, I've actually had people tell me, you know, Pastor, you're, you're up there talking, and I've actually had voices in my head say, don't believe that man. Don't believe what he is saying. And it's amazing to me how many people tend to believe everything that comes to their head. Do you know that everything that comes to your head is not of God? How many of you know that the devil can actually talk to you? Now, if you don't believe there's a devil, you don't believe the Holy Spirit, you don't believe in God, well, just let me tell you something. You're already duped then. There is, a, there is a spiritual world. In fact, the Bible talks about three forms or three different levels of heavens. There's a natural heaven, there's a second heaven, there's a third heaven. But I'm not going to get into that this morning. But Paul says we're not to be ignorant of these spiritual heavens and these spiritual battles that we, we are involved with. Paul says we don't wrestle or war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, spower, uh, and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And uh, one thing people don't realize, in fact, if you go into the parable of the sower, it's interesting, it said that when the word of God was sown as seed into the way, into the, uh, uh, into the, 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 the places, or uh, what's it called, into the way, uh, wayside places, it says when the seed was sown, it said immediately, Satan came and stole the word. It's in the parable of the sowers. Jesus talks about how Satan waits for the word to be dispensed when an unbeliever ever comes in contact with the word. There's a battle for your life. There's a battle right now. And it's not just, a, you know, so many people think about life as just paying bills and just getting to the next job and getting a promotion, just living in my house or apartment, finding my girlfriend, boyfriend. Life is so much bigger than that, bigger than just status and materialism and paying bills and if I'm going to win my next soccer match and uh, who's going to win the play. I just, we, we, just we, we get so into things in this world that really is not what life is all about at all. And so, but, but this morning, I, my, my prayer is that the Lord will give us ears to hear. So I want you to put your hands on yours. Father, we pray right now that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Open our eyes by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond. Lord, give us the kind of faith to step up and to walk in that place and live in the place that you have ordained for us and everyone said amen ephesians chapter 2 ephesians 2 verse 1 if you take your bibles we're going to move really quickly by the way side note i hope every one of you can stay afterwards for our potluck we're going to have a time just to kind of give you a little bit of an insight my wife has made some of the best killer wings you will ever eat in your life she has some amazing wings uh, that she uh, cooks and i just have to tell you that uh <clears throat> i just hope by the way i'm i'm always the last one to get down there so you better not eat them all that's all i can talk no but uh no but uh, you you want to come and sh- stay with us and fellowship we just have a great time isn't it amazing we're in july al- already where'd the year go how many of you are finding that this year is going by awful fast? Man, it's amazing. But you know what's also amazing is what God is doing. What God is doing by His Spirit among people. I just like to be, I like to be a part of what God does in the lives of people when it comes to miracles, breakthroughs. It's great to see how God restores families and homes. I'm on a series on family power. We're going to be looking at how we... Uh, how to empower the spirit of honor in our family. I don't have to say and give any statistics out this morning to let you know that our homes, our marriages in America today are in trouble. There's some serious catastrophic issues. Uh, it's, it's sad that when the number one party in America, this was based on a report I just read <clears throat> about a month ago, the, the big party in America is divorce parties today. How sad. Uh, to celebrate, we're getting divorced. Uh, we understand divorce happens and uh, there's fallout and those things, but 
How many of you believe that God is in the business of healing, restoring, renewing, and bringing hope back where there's brokenness? And we, we don't celebrate the fact that people are broken. We celebrate the fact that God can take broken people and restore them and make them new again. That's what we rejoice in. Amen? And it's amazing. When you come to understand the resource, you come to recognize what is available to you and you begin to draw from that account, you're going to begin to make wise decisions. You're going to be able to walk with a new sense of faith and confidence. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring their attention right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I see some of us drifting. We're thinking of those wings already. Praise God. Oh, Lord, bring us down to earth here. Or bring us up to heaven, one of the two. But in Ephesians 2, we're going to be looking at a very important place and position that every believer has in Christ, where they used to be, where they are now. (coughs) In verse 1, And you... He has made alive, who was dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That has to do with the demonic powers and prince of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. In other words, by nature, they walk contrary. It's the spirit of Antichrist, verse 3, among whom we also once conducted our, uh, our lives according to the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh and mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, living as others. In other words, there was a sense of hostility. And today, a person who does not know God, there is a wall in their life. That's why they don't have a sense of confidence, no sense of faith. When there's a a wall there is because they've been under the dominion of what the Bible refers to as the father of liars. And when you're not saved, when you don't know Jesus, and the truth has not made you free yet, the tendency is, is there's a tendency to be fearful. The tendency is to put distance between you and the Lord. The tendency is to kind of walk with a sense of caution because you don't know the true God of heaven. How many of you know that the the big battle today, and that's why there's a battle, is that the devil doesn't know, want you to know what Jesus has in mind for you. He does not want you to know the plan that the Father has in mind for His people. Not just for His people, but for every person. For God so what? Loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father loves the, he loves the world. That means He loves everybody. He loves people that you might not even like. He loves them. He cares about them. And his plan, his determination is to reach them. And he not only reaches them through what Jesus did, but he's going to reach them through you. You are the light of the world now. You are the salt of the earth. Can you say amen? There's something powerful that resonates inside of every believer who's received Jesus. You have joy. You have answers. God hasn't just given you answers. He's actually put the spirit of wisdom from the Father of lights upon your life. God has given something to you that many believers today haven't even tapped into, don't even draw from, because many of us have received sometimes in church life or church history, we've received this so-called dispensational teaching that puts everything into the millennium or puts everything when Jesus comes back again, which is basically that teaching has basically made the church at present powerless. Because all we're thinking about is when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Folks, God's not waiting for you to get to heaven. God is waiting for the church to wake up and begin to pray the prayer, John Matthew 6, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in me, through me, now on earth. And so Jesus doesn't just save you to forgive your sins. Jesus saves you to empower you, to put a weapon in your mouth, to put a word of understanding, to put a vision in your heart. He said this, that even your sons and your daughters will become prophetic and prophesy. Young men dreaming visions, having visions. Old men dreaming dreams. In other words, God's going to touch the imagination, the creative passion in your heart. God's going to begin to turn the church loose. Everyone say loose. In fact, say this, loose me, Lord. 
How many of you know we need to be loosed? Some of us need to be loosed right now in your faith and your vision, your passion. You just say, well, I, just, I don't want to do anything because I don't want to mess anything up. Pastor, if I do anything, I just know I'm, a, I'm just Mr. Mrs. and Mr. Holy Screw-Up. I screw everything up. Let me tell you something, folks. It's not about you. So if it's not about you, guess what? You can't screw it up. You can't screw it up. In fact, I find that God doesn't choose many mighty, not many noble, not many wise are chosen. God has chosen the weak, the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of men. In other words, let me tell you, if you ever feel disqualified, guess what? You're the one that's called. If you ever feel weak, if you ever feel dumb, if you ever feel like some of you out there, you've received some of these doctor's labels. Many of you have been labeled by what doctor, well, I'm bipolar and I'm slow and I'm uh, dyslexic and I can't read and I let me tell you you have believed lies you're not dyslexic you're not bipolar you're not slow and you're not dumb you are a child of God equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit you don't understand by reason you understand by faith you rise above natural reasoning you rise above what the medical and 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 and, and, and by the way I thank God for the medicine and the medical teams and our doctors and, uh, and technology. I really do. I believe it's part of the blessing of God upon our nation as far as medicine and technology and how far we have come. But I still will not allow them to limit what God can do in me. I will not let some label by some doctor tell me that my son, well, they've got this problem and only pills will save them. I will not allow what a doctor says Contrary to the word of God, when my Bible says that when he raised me up for his glory and he put within me the power of the Holy Spirit, that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It is time that we begin to change the way we think and we begin to take this upgrade that God has given us through the power of the word and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now notice what he says. And we were by... Uh, nature, the children of wrath, just as others. Verse 4, but God. <laughs> Everyone say, but God. Amen. Amen. Say that again. Isn't that just awesome? But God. Wouldn't it be amazing to come out of a doctor's office after the doctor told you one thing, and you just look back into the doctor and say, but God. I dare some of you to do that. Maybe some of you lost your job or something. I'd just say, but God. But God is on my side. God is for me. How many of you know God is actually waiting for us to say the but God? He's actually waiting for that to happen. But God, who is rich, didn't say he just has mercy. He's rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. That means, man, we weren't even thinking about God. We weren't drawn to the Lord. That means that we were planning and scheming and we were just kind of rocked in sin. He says, when we were in that place, it says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? That is a very present tense now mystery and revelation that Paul opened up to the church and it still applies today. Now when the Apostle Paul was saying this, what he was doing, he was describing the very nature and the love of the Father. Do you know that love and honor go hand in hand? There are three things really simply in this text the Bible says. And it's important for you and I to understand this in order for us to be empowered with a renewed mind. The first thing it says that because of his rich love and mercy, it says he made us alive. Everyone say alive. God's love makes dead things live. It means that when I have been separated Maybe there's been a wall in your life. In other words, God has the ability to make things alive. He has the power to reverse the curse and the course of things that are dying. You might feel I'm in a dead marriage. I have no vision in my life. God says he can make and he has made you alive. Past tense. He's already made you alive. He's already, everyone say already. 
He's already. You may say, well, Pastor, I'm not sensing any real life in my life right now. How come I don't necessarily see things popping around my life? It's because you refuse to come into agreement with it. You have to agree with things you don't understand. May I just give you something that I I felt the Lord say to me. He says, Ray, you'll never walk in the power of the supernatural until you are first willing to allow your mind to become offended so that I can move in ways that your unbelief will limit me. I've got to allow God to challenge things that I don't understand. It might even offend me so my unbelief does not stop the flow of the supernatural power. How many of you know that Jesus went back to his home, hometown one day and it says that Jesus marveled in his own hometown of Nazareth. He marveled because of their, own, uh, their unbelief. And he says, and all Jesus could do was a few small Miracles. It says that about Jesus in his own hometown. And that was where he said that famous thing that, that a prophet is not accepted in his own hometown. You see, sometimes the, the spirit of familiarity comes upon us and we actually, through, through declarations or through our own mindsets, we actually limit the flow of the supernatural life of God in us because our minds have to wrap our minds. I've heard people say, Pastor, I just can't wrap my mind around what God's Word is saying, therefore it doesn't make sense. And they just chuck it. And therefore, you know what? God has to move, and He moves, and He'll look for someone who will trust in what He says. Faith never makes sense. Faith is not necessarily have to agree with our natural mind. But it says here that, that, that God's love here Number one, makes us alive. Number two, it unites us. Everyone say unites. God's love unites us together with with the Father. There's a uniting principle. It says that we've been united together, not only with Jesus, but with the Father. Do you know that you've been united with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Ghost? Jesus, the Father, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, When the Bible says, let us make man in our own image, God wanted a family. He wanted to bring you into a relationship to rule with him in glory. You were created for that. Now, Jesus, the Lord, God the Father, they will always be God. We will never be gods. But we are going to be related with him where we will rule and reign with him. Here we also go on down where it says we've been raised, verse 6, up together and made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace. God wants, amen, to us to realize that we have a specific high place. Everyone say place. It's not enough for you to know what God wants you to see in the word. He wants you to know there's a new place that you now are living from, drawing from, you're talking from, you're thinking, you're making your decisions from this heavenly place. The Bible says we've been made to sit in these heavenly places. Let me tell you what a heavenly place is. It is a place of favor, number one. Secondly, it is a place where you, as Jesus did in Matthew chapter 3, you are walking, you live under an open heavens all the time. Everyone say all the time. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to encounter some problems and challenges and persecution. By the way, because you have open heavens, you will be considered a lunatic. You will be written off as a quack. Some people say, did you hear that, Pastor Ray? He's talking about believing God for miracles and restoration and healing. You know, that does not make sense to me. And they're going to write you off. Well, guess what? They did that to Jesus. Not only will they do that, but they will write you off. They will talk behind your back. They will cast you off. But here's the thing. As Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And once you've had your citizenship in heaven, and once you have been seated with Christ in heavenly places, that means that your decisions and your mindset is completely different. God begins to give you a lens to see things through different eyes. You no longer look at problems the way you used to. 
You no longer look at things as a setback, but an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move in ways. And I want to tell you that I, I want to say this to you to be very honest with you. I have not yet come to a place of complete understanding. It's not just understanding, but a complete, uh, 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 what I want to say, I don't want to use the word breakthrough, but I myself am still growing in this as, even as I'm teaching this to you. But what I am saying also is the day that I agreed to accept things that I do not understand by faith, God has just been downloading revelation. It's been amazing. And when we begin to say, Lord, I do not understand with my mind, but I understand and I accept it by faith in my spirit, watch God open things up for you. It's amazing. It will really happen. Now, the Bible says we've been seated together with him in heavenly places. Amen. How many of you know God wants to bring us to a new place? I want to tell you a little story. Years ago, I was coming back from Asia. I was on a flight from Hong Kong to uh, uh, Tokyo, from Tokyo to Dallas, or Tokyo to L- uh, Los Angeles, and I was in a layover in uh, uh, Tokyo, I believe it was, and was getting ready to board uh, a flight. Uh, I was on about a six, seven, eight-hour layover there in uh, Tokyo. I was coming back from a, a deal that I was doing in Hong Kong and also in Thailand at that time. And uh, <clears throat> as I was there in the uh, airport, the, tr- the ticket agent came on the loudspeaker and it kind of gave us some news that normal flyers don't like to hear. But she says that we've got a couple of problems. Uh, first of all, there's going to be a flight delay. The flight that's coming in is, is, is delay, delaying. Uh, then the second thing is this, and we hate to say this, but we have uh, seriously overbooked the flight from Tokyo into L.A., and we would like to distribute some uh, uh, vouchers for anyone who would like to take a later flight. And, uh, and she basically told us over the, <laughs> the, the, the intercom that we, we would like to give everyone a, a $200 a voucher. And it was so funny. It was just everybody just kind of went, whoa. You know, just, it, it wasn't a real exciting uh, uh, trade-off, in other words. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> I remember... Uh, Right there, the, the whole atmosphere in that airport shifted and people were upset. How many of you have ever been in an airport when they tell you the flight's delayed, things are canceled, uh, we need vouchers, uh, we're going to pass out the vouchers? And they they try, try, try to do their best. Well, unfortunately, this little travel agent lady, she began to take the brunt and the heat of this mammoth, 300 folks or so getting ready to go back to L.A., She's getting the heat, and people are coming up to the counter, and they're just kind of letting her know it, that, uh, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm going to get on that flight. It's I had a seat, and I'm going to get on that flight. And she was doing her best, and I could tell. I was sitting down, and I called Carol. I said, Carol, uh, they're offering a $200 voucher. I know it's not much. I was wanting to get back to Dallas. I was tired of the trip, and... uh, but I decided to go ahead and take the voucher because it was going to be like a six to seven hour uh, delay. And I went up to the counter and I, I'm, I'm meeting, I'm confronting this ticket agent. And uh, when I came up to her, I, I could tell the lady was sweating off the temple. She was sweating, stressed out, just dealing with all the haggling of discontented passengers. And I remember the Lord just speak to my spirit. He says, I want you to just encourage her. Just just encourage her. And I remember looking at this lady in her, about her probably mid-40s or so, and I said, can I just tell you how much I appreciate the job you're doing? You're doing a fantastic job. And she's down there typing, and she stops. She looks up. She looks around. She goes, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad somebody appreciates what we try to do here. This is not even my fault. And I said, no, you're, you're doing a great job. And then I said this, I want you to know I'm going to be praying that God gives you strength. And uh, you're doing an amazing job. And I believe the Lord's going to strengthen you. And that's all I said. And I went down and I sat down. And about a couple more hours, and the, the, our plane finally came in. They'd clean the plane. They're, they're starting to board the plane. And all of a sudden, my name gets called. They called my name. I thought, well, that's strange. I accepted a voucher to go on a later flight. I get my name called, and I'm, I come up to the desk, and the, uh, another ticket agent handed me a ticket 
and it was a ticket for business class. Uh, well, folks, I, I don't know if you understand. It's, that's, not, 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 that's not first class. But I was in economy, and I said, why don't, why don't, why don't, I, didn't, I did not pay for business, and I don't want business. I said, you know, I, I want to make sure. No, no, that the, the, uh, the manager here, which happened to be the woman, I gave the word of encouragement. She walks down, and she says, I have the authority to make this decision, and I want to thank you for what you said to me, and I want to upgrade you to business class. And she walked away, and I said, whoa, whoa, thank you, Lord. <laughs> favor, favor. And because I, I, I thought I was going to have to pay for that. Because, by the way, business class across international, that's about a four or $5,000 ticket, by the way. It's compared to 1000 1500 whatever. She upgraded me, and she said, thank you. Just thank you. And I remembered receiving this upgrade all because of a word of encouragement. And now, I'm not saying that that happens all the time. I will say, though, another thing that was really awesome that happened here in Garland. I was uh, in a car trying to get back to the church one time, right over here off of Brand Road, and I was coming up, and I, I, I did one of those California stops. I stopped at a, st- I didn't stop, basically, at a stop. So I went on through. I just slowed and zipped, and right around the corner in a uh, drive, drive uh, alleyway, was a motorcycle policeman sitting there. He, he just nailed, he had me. And lights were coming on, and he just, you know, he does this, pull over. And, and I know, I, and so he comes up to my window. First thing he says, you know, I've stopped you. I said, officer, I know totally. I, I did not stop. I went right through, and I said, you're doing a great, I said this, you're doing, a right, you're doing the right thing. You're doing a great job. I, what I did was wrong. He puts his hand on the window, and he says, you know what, I'm going to let you off with a warning. And this is what he said. Most people I stop give me excuses. I've never hardly hear anybody take ownership for what they do. When I hear that, that tells me, tells me that you guys really understand. He said, I'm just going to give you a warning. Go ahead and go. He let me off. I want to tell you something. When you live with integrity, it opens doors for you. It really honors God. And I, 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 was, I was blown away by that. But I want to tell you something. It's amazing how God opens doors for you. That, that isn't, oh, Pastor Ray, you just got a big break for some reason. No, it's not. We've actually seen that when you operate with honor and you begin to show integrity and honor to others and you walk in that kind of way of life, God begins to open some things, and God begins to upgrade. Amen. Everyone say upgrade. God wants to upgrade your life. I want you to jump with me to John 17 for a few minutes. I want you to see in John 17. Notice what these heavenly places are. John 17, this is the prayer. This, by the way, is the actual prayer of Jesus. It's not actually Matthew 6. That's a prayer outline, but this is the actual prayer of Jesus before the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus said, verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Notice verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. What is eternal life? Eternal life is, is not what happens after we die. Eternal life is that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ from whom you sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me. Notice what he's saying here to his, about his own disciples. Out of the world that they were yours, that you've given to me, and they have kept your word. Interesting that he says that because they would all deny him. But he says they've kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given to me are from you, for I have given them your words which you have given me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I have come from you, that, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. Now notice what Jesus says here. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Notice verse 10. 
All are mine, are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And now notice verse 10. And I am what? Glorified in them. Do you hear what he just said there? He is glorified. That means that the same glory that was on Jesus is now in you if you're a believer. The same glory that Jesus had is now on every single one of you. That means that you have that same closeness with the Father. Notice what it says in verse 11. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. Notice again at the end here. That they may be one as we are. What an amazing prayer. Jesus is asking the Father to unite us in that same spirit of unity and glory as Jesus was with the Father. Now the reason why this is so important is because this is a place of glory and victory and honor. Jesus is declaring this in his prayer. Verse 13, now I've come to you that these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I want you to jump down to verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. Everyone say their word. Your confession is the critical part that begins to move you where the Lord has already promised you to be. My confession of faith. Notice verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. Now notice this. Here's the reason why. In the end of verse 21. That the world may believe that you sent me. So this is not a dispensational future purpose. Jesus didn't pray this prayer of oneness and glory and unity and honor for something in the future. He's actually saying, Father, that they may be one, that the glory that you gave me may be also in them, that the world may see it. The world needs to see the glory of the Father in the Son flowing out of your belly as rivers of living water. They need to see your marriages. They need to see your kids. They need to see your relationship. They need to see the demonstration of the patience, the the demonstration of your kindness and goodness. They need to see us operating in the spirit of honor. Everyone say honor. Praise God. Father, help us this morning. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to operate as a church in the spirit of honor. We're going to learn how to honor one another. Amen. We're going to learn how to empower one another with honor. Isn't it amazing in the world we live in, it's so easy to bash people. It's so easy to talk behind other people's back. We live in a world where Hollywood does it. Gossip is completely accepted. We don't have a problem in our society with using our mouth to tear other people down. I've seen people use Facebook. God help Christians who use Facebook to talk about other people. You need to get off of Facebook if you cannot control your mouth or your fingers. You need to understand that you actually set the course and destiny and you label people by what you write about. We need to realize that there's power in what we say, what we do. The world is watching. And we need to realize that you have been given a spiritual upgrade and God expects something much more dignified, something much more better out of you. You're not... You are not called to something lower, to be a complainer, a murmurer. You are not called to simply analyze and uh, be critical and be cynical like the world. No, God's called you into an atmosphere, into the stratosphere, into a place where you live and you walk as the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost does. Can you imagine when the Father asked the Son to go down and die for mankind? I wonder if Jesus would have said, how dare you, Father, ask me to go? Why don't you go? I don't want to go down there and die for those people. They'll spit on me and reject me. They won't even appreciate me. That's not the way Jesus did it. 
The Bible says that the Father honored the Son. The Son honors the Father by His obedience to His will. And then Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, He will honor me as the living truth. In John 14, we find this amazing relationship of honor and empowerment in the Trinity. What would happen if the world actually began to see us honor one another and bless one another? I've got to share something that happened with my son. Jared had a flat tire on Friday night. An amazing thing that was kind of funny. He had, he had this flat tire. And Jared called me up, and uh, we were trying to figure out how to drop this tire out of the back of my bed because I, I, it's the first time I ever had a flat in this pickup. So we were trying. But Jared had, listen, Jared had this Muslim family drop by to help Jared. And this father got out, and he helped Jared find the missing pieces that I didn't even know were in my truck, helped Jared find these pieces. When I got there, I noticed there were three or four little girls, teenage girls, with their burkas on in the back seat of this van, and they were just smiling from ear to ear. And while the father was helping Jared and me fix this flat tire, and I remember looking at this Muslim guy, and I said, we just want to tell you how much we appreciate your assistance here. And I remember looking over at the van where all these four little girls were with their little burkas through their eyes, uh, looking through their eyes, and I said, you've got an amazing dad. And I went thumbs up, and they all went like this together, just grinning from ear to I said, you've got an amazing dad. But you know, it's amazing that when these other religions start even helping Christians, I don't know about you, but it started making me think, maybe we need to start helping Muslims. Maybe we need to be showing the love of God. Here's a Muslim guy. You know, and I, I really appreciated that guy. I really do. I don't necessarily agree with everything he may uh, believe in, but the one thing I do know, he's a human being, and he's a man. He's also, the Bible even refers to them, he is, even as a seed of Abraham, and that Jesus died for them, and we need to learn how to convey the love of God to them. And it's not about getting into some doctrinal dispute, but I believe that as we begin to convey and honor people that we may not even agree with, it is amazing how your actions will carry such power and such impact in their life that they'll come back and say, how do you live and what do you believe in? It will begin to draw them back to you. I, I want to just take you very quickly, and I'm going to move through this in order for us to empower the spirit of honor in our family. Very practical things here that I want us to recognize here just if we can go through this. Okay. Number one. I just want, I want to move through this really quickly and we'll close here. Number one, first of all, I need to be a person that hosts the anointing of God's presence in my life. I need to be a man of the presence of God. If I'm going to empower my family, empower others. I need, to, I need to host the presence. I need to be a man of God, a man of the presence. How many of you know fathers? We need to be men and women of the presence of God. We need to know how to host the presence, the presence of God. The most important thing in my home is God's presence because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The second thing here is we need to cheerful, cherish and carefully guard the presence of the Lord in my home. In other words, God's presence can be lifted off my life. If I tolerate sin or wrong behavior, if I tolerate it, the, the anointing can be lifted off my life. I need to cherish and guard God's presence. Amen? And it's by my attitude. It's the things that I allow. Number three, I need to honor my spouse as a special gift and treasure from the Lord. And all of you wives say amen. In fact, I want you to all spouses to turn to your spouse right now and just say, you're a special gift from the Lord. Amen. Make sure it's your wife or husband. Amen. I need to literally verbalize that. I need to literally say that to my spouse. You are a gift. You are a special treasure. Miss Pastor, well, why do I need to say all that? She knows them when I got married to her. She knows I told her I love her 15 years ago when I walked her down. I don't have to go around and tell her that again. Do I? Do I have to do that again? Do I have to do that again? Some of us, you know, like act like Archie Bunker on All in the Family. And God help us. 
Archie Bunker is not my role model. Some of you don't even know who Archie Bunker is, but uh, I remember that used to be my dad's famous show. Archie Bunker is a, is a sorry, sorry case for what a father and a husband should be. He did what he had to do when he had to do it, and he had did it, and when he, if, he ha- if he had to do it, he had to do it. It was, a, it was a sad, sad, sick situation. You're not an Archie Bunker. You're a mighty man of God. You have the wisdom and the favor of God, and you have the power to lead your family in a powerful, positive destiny. But you, honor starts with the head. I remember one time this father came to me and said, Pastor, I just don't understand my kids and my wife. They don't honor me. I'm the head of the house. And I said, well, does honor come from you first? Well, I'm the head. They're, they're supposed to honor me. I said, no. Now, you got it backwards, partner. Honor comes from them when it first comes from you. You cannot expect anything to come back to you if you have not sown it into them first. You deserve nothing but what you've only sown into their lives. If you haven't sown it, don't expect it. It must start from the head. Remember Psalms 133? How beautiful and how wonderful it is for brethren to dwell together in unity that flums from the head, flows down to the beard, on the body. In other words, what is in the head always flows down. It's a principle in the kingdom. Number four. I will arise and become a prophetic voice that launches my children into vision, beauty, power, and destiny. I am constantly telling my kids, now my grandkids, how powerful, how wonderful, how gifted, how awesome my kids, my grandkids, and not even my kids. I'm saying that to all of you. Well, pastor, do you think you should actually say that to sinners when they're living in sin? That, doesn't that kind of solidify and just kind of embolden them in their sin? No, I am calling those things that are not as though they are. And guess what? When you begin to impart vision, that vision becomes a reality when they begin to see it. You've got to begin to call those things out. Number five, my words have creative power and will communicate life over my children because I am a man or a woman who is under the influence of the Holy Spirit in heavenly places. You see, I'm not living from a place where I'm defensive and I'm coward and I'm weak and I'm I'm in a place where I feel like everybody's picking on me. No. God is on my side. I'm on the winning team. Every parent needs to know you're on the winning team because you're going to be confronting the forces of hell, yes, even in your children at times, because they're bringing hell from public schools. How many of you know there are spirits in public schools? And those spirits and those voices and on influences, parents, you may say, I just wonder why my kid picked up that attitude in that public school. Guess what? It's called the gates of hell. It's not just a learning institution. Our schools are filled with paganism, humanism, all sorts of sensual isms, and those things, it's, they're not learning just math, arithmetic, history, English, and science. There are spirits there that are seeking to undermine their minds, their hearts, their vision, their goals, their identity, and destroy them. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I gotta, you need to understand there are battles that are being waged in our schools. We as parents need to understand where the battle is. We need to ha- know how to use the right weapons. We need to know how to separate the weapons and not attack our children, but learn to address the spirits that are behind them by understanding the power and purpose of prayer and intercession. Number six, we embrace and love our children equally and convey worth in their lives. We need to always equally love our children. I've heard some parents say, you know what, I just can't love that one child. He's always been a troublemaker, but I love the other." Uh uh-uh. You love all your kids the same, and you may not understand it, but God has a special purpose for why that one child may be that one weird way. You love them equally. Good preaching again, Pastor Ray. You do not show favoritism. What you will do is you will undermine what God is trying to do in their life. You may not understand it, but you love them equally. Now, I will say sometimes we can't always discipline them equally. I remember in my own home, there were some, some that received more discipline than others. That doesn't mean I didn't like them. 
It just means that we were just, amen, on a learning curve with that one a little bit. And uh, that's going to take, you can't spank and discipline equally, but you can love them equally. Really important. How to empower the spirit of honor in our family. Okay, what's going on here? Even in correction, we empower them with hope that they can change. Every parent should always be able to tell their children, you can change, you can improve, you will do better, I believe in you. That, that's the kind of faith words that I empower with honor my children. I'm letting them know, we're going to make it together. We're going to do better. You have such an amazing uh, attribute. You have such an amazing mind. When you begin to call those things out on your children, it actually begins to empower them to think that way. Number eight, empowering the spirit of honor means that I take time to listen without talking back. How many of you here have ever just learned to be quiet while someone wants to tell you something? I hate to say this, but I had a problem with this. I probably still have a problem sometimes. That I want to answer people before they're done talking. I've already think that I know the answer. Sometimes the Lord just says, Ray, shut up. Let them say what they need to say. In fact, you may not even need to say a word because I want them to grow to understand the answer the way I want them to know it. Sometimes God just wants you to just be a sounding board of people. I know, I know that that's not always the case with every situation, but especially in, in the marriage, uh, in, the, in the relationship. Number nine, show interest in the goals and the concern for others. I need to be excited about what my wife wants to do. Honey, what do you want to do? What would you like to do this weekend? Or my sons, maybe my sons, maybe they weren't going to be the all-star NFL football player that you wanted them to be, but maybe they wanted to go to art school and be a sculpture. And, and, and sculpture and be an artist. That's not what my son was supposed to He was supposed to go and join the Marines and be an NFL club football player. But he wants to go and be a ballerina? No way! My son will not be a ballerina. Well, hey, who are you to suggest that not being a ballerina? It may be what God wants to do in his life. We need to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe those creative gifts that are in them and actually empower and reinforce the approval upon them. If you want to be a ballerina dancer, man... By faith, amen, I'm, I'm behind you, son. Amen. You might dance with Dumbo the elephant, but praise God, I'm going to... We need to learn to empower our kids even if they don't go down the path of dreams we wanted them to go. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I've got I to pat myself up here. It's so important that we understand these things. So many times, I cannot tell you how many adults adults have come into my office and says, you know what? I'm in a job that I hate. I'm doing things that I hate. I've done it for 10, 15, 20 years. I said, why are you doing what you're doing? Because my dad and mom wanted me to go to college and be this and do that, and I did what they wanted. And I, I'm living their dream, but I hate my life. And I said, so you're doing what your parents, did your parents never empower you and ever bring any kind of uh, affirmation to the desires that God had put in your heart? No. They told me that I was going to be this and that and I had to carry on the family heritage. And I said, let me tell you, I loose you from that traditional curse in Jesus' name. Sometimes we need to take our hands off our kids and let the Lord begin to breathe in them what he wants to do in their life. Amen? It's really important. I know some of you may not like that, but praise God, God will heal you. Praise God. Number 10. Don't always fight to be right. Don't shout me down here. But rather choose to prefer one another and fulfill the law of Christ. We need to seek the truth, but love and restoration should prevail over and all, above all disagreements. Amen? We need to also at times choose to agree to disagree. There's things, my wife and I, we don't agree 
with some things in our marriage, but I still honor her. I still respect her. I don't come to her and say, I'll tell you right now, you better understand, woman, I'm the head of the house. No, I'm not. That's not the way Jesus came to his disciples. You do not come and demand your own way. Love does not demand its own way. We come to recognize that there's going to be times. I want my wife to be honored by letting her know I, I recognize her opinions, her, her uh, values, and her views. Now, there are things that we do need to work out. There are negotiables and non-negotiables, but we should have taken care of those things long before we got married, to tell you the truth. I need to know if my wife doesn't want to serve God, man, I'm, I'm not even going to... I won't even entertain the thought of even taking a woman out on a date if my girl doesn't want to be a Christian. If I, if I was back in the dating days and the woman didn't had nothing to do, if, if she doesn't like to talk about spiritual things and the Word of God, if her heart's not in the house of the Lord, she doesn't have a taste for the things of the Lord, I wouldn't even entertain a thought of taking that woman out on a date. Don't shout me down here, praise God. I mean, it just, it's, yeah, but she was so pretty. He's so handsome. Man alive, you are heading for a catastrophe. I've had more people say, you know, Pastor, I know they're not a believer right now, but I know that my relationship is going to bring the influence of them back to the Lord, and I know they're going to become a Christian because I'm going to help them. Not going to happen. Well, what a, where's faith, Pastor Ray? God also says we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. There's no prophetic word needed there. You don't, even, you don't even entertain the thought. How many of you know God really cares about our success and he wants us to be blessed? Boy, we're all quiet in here for some reason, praise God. Number 11, always forgive. Everyone say, always forgive. And seek to restore broken relationships as much as possible. Learn to say, honey, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I, I didn't have the right attitude. You, you want to you hear something funny? I mean, now, David, Kim, I want you to love me still. But my, my, uh, yesterday, my wife and I, we had Reagan with us. My wife and I had a little tiff, and Reagan was in our house. You wouldn't believe what Reagan did. Reagan came up to us and said, Papa, don't talk to Grandma like that. Now, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't yelling at Carol. I said, Carol, what, what did you do that for? Or something. And she said, Ray, I did, we, we, we weren't in a screaming match. We, but we just we had a, this disagreement. And it was so amazing how little Reagan picked up that Grandma and Grandpa, and she comes up to me, Papa, don't talk to Grandma like that. No, Grandpa. And I looked down at her, and I said, you're right, Reagan. And I said, Reagan, will you please forgive me? And I went, Grandma, I don't agree with you, but will you please forgive me? <laughs> I love you, Grandma. I love you. <laughs> I was amazed on how that little two-year-old picked it up. And you know what? It really made me aware. I got to be more aware. I wish I was more aware. I, I wasn't that good. I, I will say that. I was, that was pretty good, but I wasn't that good with my own boys growing up. I wasn't that good. I, I, I argued, and my wife and I, we argued, and we did have some pretty big arguments. And, uh, and we did not honor each other the way we should have. And it makes a mark on your kids. It does. But I remember going to little Reagan. I said, Reagan, Grandpa was wrong. And she gave me a hug, and I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> I still got her in my good graces. I was amazed by that. Number, number 12. Don't be quick to react and make, make a rush to judgment when you hear that someone did something wrong. You actually may not have all the facts. Wait, pray, then respond and become part of the solution, if needed. How many times do we hear something about somebody in our family or home or church and we make a rush to judgment? Slow down. Breathe deeply. Remember, restoration is always the objective. Number 13, learn to build people up with life-giving words of encouragement. Loving words go a long way. 
Number 14, learn to see the best in people. Take the rest of the problems to God in prayer. We've got to learn to do that. Amen? Two more, and I'm done. I know I'm the porcupine preacher today. Learn to pray as a family. When's the last time you took your wife, held her hand, and said, Honey, let's pray about our future. Let's pray about our kids. Let's pray about the finances. We need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to realize we're connected with the Father and the Son in heavenly places. He's honored us. We need to bring these issues before the Lord in prayer. And then expect God to answer. Parents, I cannot tell you when you pray. You need to say this to your kids. Guess what? Answer's on the way, kids. God's going to answer us. Yeah, but pastor, what if, what if their hopes are dashed and the prayers don't come through? No, you don't talk like that. You expect to believe that God will give you a breakthrough. You expect nothing less than that. If your children have the hint that there's hesitation in you, they won't believe God. We need parents to say, my God will supply all my needs according to, he will supply. We need parents with backbone like that. Amen? Last thing is this. Celebrate the victories and the accomplishments in others and let them know that they have a future and a hope. Celebrate. When's the last time you looked at your kids, your friends, your family and said, you know what? I so appreciate what God's doing in your life. I've seen you really grow in the Lord. Man, I so appreciate the fact that you are so compassionate. There's vision in your life. Do you know what a blessing you are? David, Bulworth, Randall, amen. Or, or do you know, Lonnie, what a blessing you are in my life and just how you build and strengthen me? Oscar, man, what a, what a joy it is to be around. You just fill my heart with such faith. You just, you just amen, just burn the devil and build the kingdom in my life. Man, just love being around uh, Virginia Lindley, a woman of faith, a woman of fire. Man, Virginia, I just feel the prayers every time I'm around that woman. She just, man, burns with the Holy Ghost and the vision and passion of the Lord. And, and, and we begin to empower each other with life-giving words. Amen? That's how we honor the Lord. But you know what? We live in a society that lives distant, broken relationships. We live in a society that sees the negative because they've never seen the Father. Today, Jesus is coming to reveal the Father in you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through your relationship with the Lord. God wants us to turn our eyes upon Him this morning. He wants us to begin to embrace the honor that he's given to us through his son Jesus. He has, do you know when Jesus said in John 17, I am glorified in them. The way that glory is recognized and realized is when we begin to call it out. I begin to call out. I begin to say, Alex, you're a man of God. Oscar, you're a mighty man of God. I begin to call out Randy Kinnear, you are an amazing, giant-killing, mountain-moving man of God. I begin to call out these things on people's lives. Do you know what actually happens? I'm actually imparting seed into their life. And the Holy Spirit waters that and breakthroughs begin to take place. But you know what? We, sometimes the devil wants us to think, don't say those things about those people. You might intimidate them. You might chase them out of the church. They might not like to hear that. That's a lie from the enemy. People need to be empowered. When people are going down, you need to lift them up. When they're feeling alone, you need to be, become their friend. When they're feeling weak, you need to empower them with strength. That's what a Christian does. Amen? You should bow your heads this morning. How to empower the spirit of honor in our families. We empower people through the power of the Holy Spirit as we begin to communicate faith, vision, beauty, and glory 
that has already been dispensed to the church through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have within you the keys of the kingdom. You have the power to open doors and shut doors. God has given to every believer an amazing gift. And I I see things happening in this church. I see things happening in families that are going to be life-changing. And I see God doing an upgrade in our lives. And this morning, maybe some of you are here saying, you know, Pastor Ray, I know that I've been looking in the rearview mirror and I've been living way below what God wants me to live. Right now, I, I, need to, I need to embrace that upgrade in my life. I believe God wants me to come up and start thinking and living and believing in, in heavenly places that he's called me to. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. All right, I see your hand. Who else can say, I need an upgrade? I, I know the Holy Spirit wants to do something in, a, in, a, in more of a fine-tuning. He wants to rejuvenate and refine me. I see your hand. Who else? Who else will say? need an upgrade. I know the Lord has something so much more. I see your hand, young man. Amen. Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Can we stand to our feet?